0: I'm very pale. I'm, I'm connected to a glucose monitor via an app. Diabetes. Amazing what you can do these days. It's, it's on her arm. Can I imagine that her arm's talking to his phone? Crap. <laughs> okay. mm, your readings look all right. Hey. Oh, pots all round, is it? Oh. Hey, Paul. You met Esther and Mike. Join us. No. Are you okay? Maybe I should walk you home. Maybe we should just do a prick test just to make sure. I don't think it's that talk of the street talk of the street talk of the street talk of the street
1: talk of the street talk of the street talk of the street talk of the street.
0: Welcome to episode 226 off the talk of the street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch up podcast that thinks if Bridget gets 15 years for a murder, Lucy gets 20 for perverting the course of justice, Bernie is looking at 15 consecutive life sentences for nicking that Gucci handbag in a tree at HM Samuel Ta. I'm Gavin.
1: And I am a speed demon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: old Leadfoot Broom <laughs> strikes again. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> You've been off on your best behavior when it comes to speeding down the 25.
1: Yeah, because typically the road that attaches, the main road that attaches to our
0: street. I should warn you now that my bullshit detector sound is about to go off. No, it's not. Be very careful. Listen,
1: you have no idea what I'm going to say.
0: I have a good idea.
1: So part of it is in the township and is called Plains Road. And then when it hits the city limits, it becomes State Street. The township road, the speed limit is 45 miles per hour. The second you hit the city limits, which is right by the high school where our children attend school.
0: So school.
1: It goes down to 25. at oh, the school. Right.
0: at oh, the, oh, the, oh, the big school building.
1: Right, yes. Right. Now... Typically, I'm very good because you know it's it's daytime, mm. and typically I'm driving slower because I've just turned and I'm on the slow part, the State Street part before we get to the Plains Road. But tonight, I drop one child off at the roller skating rink because somehow it's 1995 again.
0: Oh, hey, if it was 1995, you wouldn't get done for speeding. It's
1: true. i'll be getting done for other things but never mind now at night there is a cop that parks right across from the high school in the dark in the parking lot for the athletic fields and i typically know he's there because he's always there and i am very careful to pump on the brakes a little bit before i hit that That city limits. But tonight...
0: I think typically he's doing an awful lot of heavy lifting here.
1: Typically, I do. It's been many years since I've had a ticket.
0: That doesn't mean that it's been many years since you've been speeding.
1: Anyway. No, but I typically do because I know he's there. Hmm. Because he's always there. Because he's...
0: Always there. Right. Outside the school.
1: Fuck the police.
0: we're on in minute three of this by the way
1: right yeah well you keep interrupting and implied that I'm like a very bad person which I am not
0: no but you're led foot
1: not really and you've seen my mother drive you've, you've I, can't, I, come, I come by my need for speed honestly who do you think it was who taught me when going into a curve to hit the gas and not the brake
0: Anyway, as we approach minute four,
1: right, we have to do the podcast tonight. I hadn't finished watching; Mm. I had two more episodes to go. We're watching it tonight because our son's soccer team—oh,
0: detail that is not
1: necessary—even though he can't play because he's fractured his pelvis, (coughs) which is just. I think we talked about that already.
0: And this is another so week. Not- we don't find out how my week's been, I guess.
1: <laughs> so I was not paid attention. This is just one night. This isn't my week. So I was not paying attention. Shall we attention. preamble, So I was not paying attention as I should. And I don't even notice him. I turn onto our street. And that's when I notice the flashing lights. And I'm like, oh, who is he after? Turns out it was me. Mm-hmm. So I apologize to all of my neighbors. That they had flashy lights in their windows.
0: That was Friday Night Disco. Because
1: of me. <laughs> right. Ugh. Well, and the you guy know. looked like Anderson Cooper, so I wasn't taking him very seriously. <sighs> he, was, he was a cop I didn't know. I know an awful lot of the cops in town because I've run for public office and have been involved in city stuff. But
0: Previous speeding <laughs> tickets. <yeah. laughs>
1: no, not previous speeding tickets. None of those guys still work on the force. So, geez, I've had a night. How was your week, my darling?
0: Well, the Earth rotates at 1,000 miles an hour. It moves round the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And the sun moves through the galaxy at r- roughly half a million miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So in the grand scheme of things, it's five over. Really that much of a big deal.
1: It really shouldn't be.
0: It really shouldn't be.
1: No. But how was your week?
0: It was all right. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that Speedy Gonzales. Corrie News.
1: going to start calling you Matt Light Lucas fruit. over there. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. No. I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Rooksandra. Poor Nico, our former Alina Pop, has gotten herself a little banged up this week, showing off a bandaged hand and wrist on the Insta. We wish her a speedy recovery. What happened? She wasn't specific. Uh. She said she had been clumsy, so that could go. Because I think
0: I think that's a that's a key part of that story is what happened to her.
1: Right, she was clumsy. And that can be interpreted in so many dark and disturbing ways that I'd rather not think about it. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) We've had the return of Windy Flaming Crozier. We have. Now we may be getting the return of Martha Flaming Frazier.
0: I don't think maybe. I think it's been confirmed now, hasn't it? (laughs)
1: Stephanie Beacham has been teased Stephanie as returning to the show after a 12-year break. Stay tuned for antics of the elderly kind.
0: Stephanie Beecham.
1: Does it disturb you that it seems like the only people on the street having sex are Ken and Summer? Stephanie Beacham
0: though. Sable Colby, no less.
1: I have no idea what that means.
0: You don't. You haven't heard of the Colbys or Dynasty.
1: You mean Dynasty?
0: I mean Dynasty.
1: It's an American show. It's Dynasty.
0: It's Dynasty. <laughs> you haven't heard of it though.
1: I've heard of Dynasty. <laughs> well, yes. then you've
0: heard of Stephanie Beacham playing Sable Colby. Then
1: I didn't watch Dynasty as a child. Remember, I had a game show mom, not no. a soap opera mom.
0: Stephanie Beacham's quite a big deal. Again, to re- to return to the show. Right. I just hope that Ken's drinking lots of milk. <laughs>
1: And finally, Corey fans will be seen double next time they visit the Madame Tussauds in Blackpool. Wow. Do you know why?
0: Yes, I do know why.
1: Because Jack P. Shepherd has now been immortalized in wax. An event that made <laughs> his mother cry. Tears of joy.
0: We, <laughs> to see assume. her
1: son. This is what he's been interviewed and his mom's been interviewed. She was... She was so happy to see it, I guess. I
0: think they melt the old ones down to make new ones.
1: Oh, that's disturbing.
0: Is what I think happens. No, that's kind of... Because Coulson said, well, maybe you'll get it if they take it out. Maybe you'll get to take it home on this Sofa Cinema Club. I'm like, I'm sure they melt them down.
1: Why would they take them out?
0: Well, they've got limited space. And they take people out and replace them with new people.
1: I suppose...
0: Because, like, in fifty years' time, maybe maybe people don't remember Jack P. Shepherd as David Platt.
1: I mean, the Marilyn and the Elvis one are still.
0: Yes, yeah, not not exactly the same thing though. <laughs> not exactly. I, I can the same see thing. where you're going with it, but it's not exactly <laughs> the same thing.
1: <coughs> Excuse me, hmm. and that's Corey News. Wow. I would be very excited too if one of my children was immortalized in wax. Because they have like a little rover's return set set up there. Right. And I guess Ken is already immortalized in wax and a, and a few other people.
0: Mm-hmm. As far as as far as far we're led to believe from the conversation between Ben Price and, and Coulson and, mm-hmm. and Jack B. Shepard. Which the, I was only half listening to. The likeness is, is uncanny.
1: Yeah, I saw it.
0: Oh, you did? Yeah. And I, is it?
1: Because I read an article. It's It's thinner than he is. And a little bit younger looking, like they were using oh, a,
0: yeah.
1: <coughs> a picture from like 10 years ago. Mm. But yes, it's very much, it's very much an uncanny likeness. Because There's good. a picture of him with it. Mm-hmm. I say it. It is it, isn't but it. But still, yeah. it's, it's weird. Aren't those things weird? I don't like them. They're very uncanny.
0: I've been to the one in uh, London, the Madame Tussauds. Mm-hmm. I've been there for like more than 100 years, I think. Yeah. And it's it's an expensive day out, and it's, I don't know. Yeah, you're just I looking... Don't know, I don't know if you're the, just what's looking the at what the point of it, right? It's
1: not even an animatronic, you know? <laughs> at least when you go to the Hall of Presidents at Disney World, they tell you a story and sing a song.
0: Uh, yeah, just like the real presidents do. Yes. I mean, I think. Of course, I mean, we can
1: never go back there again. No, but that's, all right. no.
0: But that's a, it's, it's, uh It's been sullied. It's been sullied. Very much a, a privilege to be included in it. But I don't know. Tourists love it. I mm. guess that's that's the main thing. I've right? been
1: to the one in Dublin. That's that's it. I've never been to any of the ones in America, which I think you will know
0: that there was one in Dublin or in America. Well. Now let's podcast for coffee, shall we? You think this is worth any more than the time it takes to listen to you can buy us a coffee by going to kofi.com that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street and a reminder that for the month of october we will be donating all our coffee money to bcrf which is breast cancer research foundation we will be matching any donation up to about a couple of hundred bucks yes i will be donating it through my work which uh, matches the donations and then bcrf themselves Match it for every five buck coffee that's bought. That is eh, 20, 20 bucks, 40 bucks, oh, 20 bucks that goes to bcrf.org. Good
1: God, I'm bad at the math.
0: There is news <laughs> that should have been in current news, <laughs> but yeah. If you want to do that, head over to kofi.com that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street, and we'll be a very appreciative, as will bcrf, wouldn't the hell? Yes, and now this. <clears throat>
1: Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome
0: Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver Just enough time to quickly talk about Horror Nation Street oh That's an easy one god. That's an easy one.
1: Oh god, this is the The saga of the floating gun Amongst other things
0: That's right, that was the name given I thought it was a really good name as well
1: It was Horror
0: Nation Street's uh, Pretty fantastic name.
1: Yeah, it's too bad that the episodes were shit.
0: (laughs) This was the little, I guess, fair that they had going on Coronation Street. Right, they had like a haunted house and the
1: the cider and stuff. No bobbing for apples because we were in the time of COVID.
0: We were. I was Gavin and you still didn't understand what in the circus no one can hear you scream meant. Because people... I hear you screaming in the circus yeah that's, absolutely that's kind of the point right
1: right your it's a space where no one can hear you scream because it's a
0: vacuum your cough was getting worse
1: <laughs> <coughs> that's hilarious
0: so i say cough and you cough
1: well no not always no you made me laugh and uh, laughing makes me cough
0: right i promise not to make you laugh for the next hour and a half
1: well considering the episodes we're going to be talking about that won't be hard <laughs>
0: Your cough is getting worse, so it's back out with the sex pillow. Timbot4000 made a rare reappearance. Meanwhile, a storm is a-brewing over Weatherfield. Abbey and her gun make plans for sweet, sweet revenge on ITV Corey, who's bragging on Insta about having the house to himself isn't going to do him any favours. In jail, Harvey breaks some of his own bones in an attempt to abscond on the way to hospital. God, I forgot all about that. He breaks his own hand.
1: Yeah, that was creepy. <sighs>
0: the alahans are off on holiday in the middle of a downpour and the distracted dev accidentally flattens the car tires leaving them sitting ducks at the side of the road it's sinkhole a go-go as characters left and right drop into the weatherfield sewers leaving leo and johnny to come up with a plan to rescue jenny well done johnny Mm. it's going to take more than that to scare amy and summer roy doesn't know his own strength and imran will be back our moment, our moment of the week yeah it was our moment of the week was Jenny and Johnny's final kiss and our boring moment of the week was Harvey complaining about the weather to Leanne and that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year
1: let's see if any of those people pop up in moment of the week and boring moment of the week this week uh, no <laughs> yeah,
0: prob- probably not
1: no no because I already know what boring moment of the week is
0: actually I think some of those characters might crop up in my suggestion for Moment of the Week.
1: Well, Moment of the Week. Not Boring boring Moment of
0: the Week. week. How strange was it, though, in this week's episodes that people are mourning the loss of Natasha and having memorials. and Everyone's forgotten about Johnny. (laughs) Carla never mentions him. Jenny never mentions him.
1: Well, Jenny is hyper-focused on Leo, and Carla is hyper-focused on getting rid of her jackets sure and and peter going to protests about plastic shall we griff?
0: dive in my dear yes please our first storyline tonight is horror nation street 2 horror nation street kills and that's enough of that <laughs> on monday <laughs> it's morning and nick is walking about topless more well, so it looks like Leanne has stuff in her mind. She wonders if Nick is curious to know what Harvey wants. Nope, says Nick. He destroyed this family and he's still dangerous. Stay clear, he says. And she agrees. Meanwhile, he's off to spoil Sam on the day before the anniversary of his mum's death. In Nina's roles, Nick has a word with Nina who is no stranger to death. She recommends talking to Sam, being open about it, making it clear that it's okay to talk about stuff, confronting it. It's the best idea, she says.
1: It was hilarious because he's like, yeah, I'm really worried because he's not talking about it. He hasn't said anything about it. And Nina says, well, what have you said to him about it? And Nick is like, oh, I haven't said anything because I don't want to upset him. And it's like, do you hear yourself talking?
0: He went through about three or four months of being utterly useless when it came to Sam. Because he was remember, he was on the the verge of tears for the longest time, and, right, it, and yes. it feels like he's regressing back into that state. Whereas Sam seems to be kind of, I mean, we'll we'll learn how exactly he's handling this a bit later. But he's not handling it terribly. I wouldn't well, have thought he's
1: it's, not handling it great. It's not
0: terrible though. I mean, that what he's doing is he's understandable. letters. Well, we don't know that yet, but it's it's kind of understandable what mm. he's doing. So Nick does this. He talks to Sam about his mum and the upcoming anniversary and that he's here for his wee boy. He knows how much she misses her and he encourages Sam to talk to someone, even if that someone isn't him. Preferably if that someone isn't him, I think. Sam agrees and goes home to write a poem for his dead mum.
1: Dear dead mum, how's it going? Oh, that's not really, a, that's a letter did the yeah.
0: poem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> didn't, he, didn't he write a letter to his dead mum, like shortly after she died? No, I
0: think he insists that uh, feelings must be expressed through the medium of poetry. Meanwhile, in the bistro, Leanne has her nose in her phone, then announces that she's leaving to do some errands, telling Debbie that it's to do with Natasha's anniversary. So, therefore, Debbie stops asking questions about it.
1: Right, and that was hilarious, too, because Debbie is giving Leanne so much heck for being on her phone and not paying attention and not doing stuff. And, you know, it's like heckling her basically Mm. and then it's only as leanne turns to leave that she says oh is this about natasha's anniversary death Mm. and it's like if you knew if you remembered that it was the anniversary of natasha's death this whole time why were you heckling her so long what is going on with people's brains yeah
0: (laughs) she goes into the office retrieves one of those prison visit order things and then gets on the phone back at the flat Sam's on the rhyming poetry again. Leanne comes home to learn that he and Nick are going to do a memorial for Natasha. And they ask Leanne to join in, but she says that she's promised to do the cash and carry for Debbie, which is a lie.
1: It is a lie.
0: And later, Nick and Sam go to the bistro to run the memorial idea by Debbie, because if you're going to run a memorial, you're going to do it in the bistro, right? You're not going to like, go to your grave or anything like that. You're going to do it, do it at the bistro.
1: Or, you know, out in the memorial garden, or... Like you said, in the cemetery. What? Wait, was she buried? Did, Could, did we have a cemetery scene for her?
0: I don't think we did. Did we
1: have a graveyard scene for, at all? I
0: don't think we did. Well, the grave scene for Clayton, I remember, but I don't remember a grave scene for, for Natasha. I don't remember anyone running through the gravestones for no. Natasha.
1: No, I remember them all in dark suits and following the, the hearse.
0: Yeah. I don't think it went anywhere. No,
1: it was kind of like all these Time jumps in in House of the Dragon. Was it Lee like was, that at all? Only it was House of the House of the Plats.
0: Mm. When Nick learns that Leanne isn't at the cash and carry after all, and no one has the faintest idea where she is. Because where she is is at the jail where <coughs> she meets Harvey. He looks like he's doing pretty well inside. Miss me, he asks.
1: Yeah, it's all that exercise he's getting dancing in the prison.
0: It's like the end of Paddington 2.
1: <laughs> yes, it's very much like Paddington 2.
0: Everything comes back to Paddington mm. 2.
1: It's like remember when David was in prison and he got a tan?
0: That's not all I remember from David being <laughs> in prison. I remember I remember Riot.
1: And I remember a certain a certain season one of a certain DVD. Yep.
0: yep. Oh Good times. <laughs> So, We've got
1: so many people in prison now. I'm so excited. <laughs> we haven't had prison seeds in a long time.
0: Miss me, he asks. He wants Sweet to get this quick. But Leanne has some stuff she wants to get off her chest first. And she rubs it in a bit about him fucking up on Horror Nation Street because she's still alive. She's living her best life with topless Nick while he's inside, rotten.
1: It's kind of a weird... It's kind of a weird thing to be bragging about considering that the only reason why she's alive is because... He murdered Sam's mom. He
0: murdered somebody else, yeah. She doesn't care what he wants, doesn't care if he's found God. He can suck on Leanne's hairy balls for all she cares and she gets up to leave. And that's when Harvey mentions Sam and wonders if Sam feels the same way as Leanne does. He explains how Sam has been writing to him multiple times a week for a month and he wants it to stop. If word gets out that he has an 11-year-old boy as a pen pal, folk will think he's a pedo, which was... Which was, I think, the first sign that Harvey is now a comedy character. Really? Yeah, I found Harvey kind of funny.
1: You found him worried that he would get murdered in jail because people would think he's a pedophile. Nobody's
0: getting funny? murdered in this jail, especially not Harvey. But that's what he's—that's the the line that he's pitching to. To People
1: get murdered in jail all the time.
0: Yeah, and Coronation Street jail, I don't think they do. But no, I thought it was. I thought some of this was played for laughs, maybe not laughs, but light heartedly.
1: Really? Because yeah. I found it very tense. Did you? Yeah. Oh,
0: I didn't find that tense in and, the slightest, and
1: creepy, and really disturbing because of the way that he's treating her.
0: I found it quite uh, moving towards the end of the scene, but at the start of it, yeah, I thought it was kind of. No, it was gross and that, creepy I all the that, way through. I thought that Harvey <coughs> was trying to play it a little bit light.
1: <clears throat> the way he's treating her like a piece of meat, essentially. And like her life doesn't matter.
0: And then he says that Sam's mom's dead. Tell him to go over it. Yeah, see that? I think is
1: That's disturbing. Is it? Yeah. His mom's dead. Tell him to get over it. I don't fucking care. He he doesn't he doesn't care and he's not sorry.
0: Maybe it's because it's Will Miller. I'm kind of I'm kind of reading an awful lot of this as kind of light entertainment.
1: It's Wendy Flame and Papadopoulos all over again. Remember when you were reading stuff into her just because of who
0: she is or who she was before? Yeah, because I'm watching him do like the Argentine Tango and stuff, and I'm remembering from uh, Pints of Lager. And- crisps thing and i'm thinking you know this is far lighter than i was expecting it to be no i found oh, it well. very dark oh well his mom's dead tell me go over it he says losing any hope he had for leanne funding his child bereavement services charity leanne is less than sympathetic telling harvey how badly losing his mom affected sam the letters will stop but harvey can still suck on her balls and she's kind of awesome in this scene yes She heads back to the bistro where Nick has worked out where she's been, but before he can get his knickers in a knot, she tells him about the letters. So they go back home and confront Sam about it, Leanne revealing that she saw Harvey today. Sam explains that he just wants to know why Harvey killed his mum and why he's such a fucking prick. Nick is quick to anger, saying that nothing that Harvey says or thinks is any of Sam's business anymore. And maybe there isn't a why, but Sam's not buying it. There's always a why. But he says he'll agree to stop writing the letters if he can go visit Harvey one time. Nick won't hear of it and Leanne thinks it's just a terrible idea and Harvey won't give permission even and even if he does, he's unlikely to give Sam the answer that he wants. Well good for you both, says Sam, because she was my mum and this is my decision. And the wee man stomps off. Yeah, and good for him. Yeah, good for him. I,
1: I find I find an awful lot of this of this discourse from the adults in the room a little disturbing because i don't i don't think the way sam is going about it is right but i think that he does have a right to confront the murderer of his mother and to ask right. him and to ask him why and get some answers and everybody keeps saying oh well he's just a monster animal mm-hmm. he has no reason right he's just
0: dehumanize them
1: right yeah and you know Yes, the character's a bad guy. But he's still a human being. Mm -hmm. And people in prison are human beings. And when we dehumanize them, that's when prisons can get away with treating people as if they're not human beings.
0: Well, this is why I thought... Sam was dealing with this pretty well because what he's wanting here is what normally is given to victims, that they get a chance to confront the person and right. they get a chance to ask questions and and stuff and he's never been afforded that. And Because he's a minor. Because he's like a kid and people just want him to move on. And he says something... Uh, I think on Wednesday that I thought was, was very poignant. So let's let's move through Wednesday then. Okay. It's Natasha's memorial thing today and Sam is writing his poem and ignoring Nick while being perfectly polite to Leanne. Nick again is quick to anger, wondering why he's a bad guy just because he won't let Sam meet his mother's murderer. Leanne points out that the important thing is that Sam gets through the day so at the bistro for the memorial Nick stands up to say a few words about how they all miss Natasha and how great a mum she was and how she wouldn't want Sam to go to a facility of corrections to see people serving time for murder and it comes out that Sam has been writing letters to Harvey looking for answers and Nick is confused wasn't he trying to kill Leanne he says while Leanne is there
1: right yeah
0: nice little reminder yes and Audrey thinks that Harvey is a monster Sam isn't impressed at any of this you keep telling me to tell you what I need to heal and when I tell you, you ignore me.
1: Right. Yeah. And that
0: was just the, Absolutely the Valid. Best response. Yeah. Cause he's absolutely right.
1: Right. Yeah. Another child on the street will say basically the same thing to her guardians on Friday. And while I absolutely hate that storyline, that was the one bit of that storyline, which we will get to later, that I appreciated is that these adults just will not listen to these children when these children are able to well articulate mm-hmm. their needs.
0: Yeah, you want me to speak while I'm speaking. And just because you don't like what I'm saying you know, you can't have it both ways kind right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was absolutely spot on there. Fuck you, all he always says in the heads off home. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, though, not reading any of his poetry, which if memory serves is worse than Vogan stuff. Audrey follows him and the two of them have a chat. Audrey's honest to Sam, telling him that visiting Harvey is a stupid idea and he appreciates the honesty. At least least there's that. Sam can appreciate that Nick is worried about him. Audrey says that Sam is clever, but sometimes that doesn't mean he's right. And he sucks a thoughtful tooth at this. Mm -hmm. He just wants to make sense of it all. Or advises that there will never be an explanation that will satisfy him, and maybe he should just focus on the positive things he has in his life.
1: And that's not necessarily true. No, again, you know, just assuming that Harvey is not capable of putting together cohesive thought
0: at all. And even if he isn't, that in itself is a little bit of closure. You know, you try, right. you try to speak to him. He really is a monster, or right. or he isn't prepared to give him any right. of the answers that he wants. Well, well that, in, that itself in itself is, is a bit is of an answer. answer right? right. And then Sam and Audrey discover that they have a shared interest in astronomy. Audrey's kept that one quiet. Yes. Afterwards, Sam meets up with Hope and reveals that while he's told his family that he's given up trying to meet Harvey or write any more letters, as he fuck is like, Hope approves of this. Being deceitful to his parents is cool, as is writing and maybe meeting A murderer.
1: Yes. Yes, Hope is really into murderers. Yeah.
0: Funny that. (coughs) On Friday, Nick is in Nina's roles talking to Shona about Sam and Audrey's help yesterday. Nick thinks Sam has turned a corner and will have forgotten the name of the man who murdered his mother by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, like that's going to happen.
0: In two months then. Shona gulps lightheartedly. Yes. Because next we see Sam is chatting to Hope again in the backyard. Hope is helping Sam learn about manipulating parents. Hope was, knew
1: Hope was good for something.
0: Hope was telling him a story about it, she'd broken one of Tyrone's cups or something right. and blamed it on Evelyn, but said, Don't tell Evelyn because she's really upset about it.
1: Right. Which should have been Ty's first giveaway that Hope was full of shit.
0: <laughs> right. Sam gets home and asks if it's okay that Hope stays for tea. Nick offers to make something nice, but Sam is happy with pasta and pesto and the old yogurt that's in the fridge. Nick nips off to get the pasta from the shops and as soon as he's gone, Hope calls Sam a loser for not asking for more. Sam explains he doesn't like lying to them and he reckons that there's no point writing to Harvey now because he throws out his letters unread anyway. And all this boils Hope's piss and she leaves goody-goody Sam to his pasta and his shitty yogurt. And that's as far as we get with that this week.
1: Mm. So what do you think Hope's gonna do?
0: Well, I don't know if, if Hope is just involved in this to give us Sam's in her thoughts, or if she's act actively going to be a participant in the storyline, because if she's actively going to be a participant,
1: I'm all for that
0: in the storyline. Then maybe she's going to start <laughs> writing some letters. Who knows? I
1: am all for that. I am all for hope coming up with a scheme for Sam to get the closure that he needs because the adults in his life are unwilling to do the hard things. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm all for that. Well, this is Corey Parenting 101, though, isn't it? Avoid the hard conversations as much as possible. Because God.
1: Until the worst possible thing happens.
0: Nick has to get advice on parenting from Nina, who isn't a mother. Right. Because just because Nina is no stranger to death, well, there's nobody on the street that's really a stranger to death. I guess Nina's had more more, than her 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 share. share for her. Tender years, but
1: and also, I'm just really happy that Nina and Asher were in it this week.
0: Yes, they were, and they were quite funny in it.
1: And yeah, they were good. Can we give them some good, happy storylines, please?
0: Well, I don't know if we do happy storylines anymore, but that, um,
1: that anorak is never coming back.
0: <laughs> it really isn't, but uh, but yeah, Nick is he's quick to complain and he's and he loses his temper. A, a Couple of times with Sam here That I didn't really think it, was He's
1: really quick to moan
0: Was useful to, no. to anything He and
1: looks very old
0: Now doesn't he? I think it's because he was wearing that Topless shirt <laughs> wasn't it? His
1: hair looks Why gray Why is he wearing
0: hair. a shirt that's the same colour as his complexion? That's just, just weird And he had a, he wears a, a leather lot of jacket On top of it that looked like he was cutting about Like he was out of
1: he wears a lot Grease of he wears a lot of neutral colors. Does our Nick?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I think that um, I think it it was actually quite nice to see. Or was Was it nice? It was good to see Harvey back, and it, again, I've had little reservations that he was getting out <coughs> somehow, but right. But the fact that it was restricted to the the prison, I I quite appreciated, it and I really liked Leanne's scenes with him because yeah. Leanne has had her history and our um it's taken her a while to warm to Sam following the death of Oliver. Right. But but the relationship they, they seem have to have now is very much stepmother and stepchild thing and, and as she's making the case for for Sam to him and talking about how his life has been devastated and stuff, I thought she was I thought she was amazing in that scene.
1: Yeah. I also really liked the scene with Sam and Audrey, you yeah. know, I, I, I heard some people say it should have been Gail instead of Audrey no, giving think, that talk No, I'm not sure. because, you know, uh, the last time Audrey and Sam were alone together, she called him Ben.
0: Was that the last time? She was drunk. She was drunk.
1: With the, just the two of them together. She's she's more sober now. Yeah. She still drinks. Yeah, she does. She still drinks. <laughs> so the, the, show, the show needs to, you know, I don't know, research a little bit better and stuff but
0: she's not giving up booze she's never giving up she's cutting the back that's at her age that's all you can ask for mm. moving on to our next storyline is an innocent homeless stew a great album by billy joel <laughs> or billy joel am i right glasgow am i right no. On Monday, Homeless Stew is on the phone to the cop shop and seems surprised when he learns that Lucy and Bridget have been charged and up in court today, this... Dynasty. ...really annoyed me. Yeah. Alia apologises and Homeless Stew knows that she's sorry and at this, Eliza comes down the stairs curious to know when she'll be getting home. Squirrel! shouts Homeless Stew <laughs> and then he runs out the back door. <coughs> Alia meets Dee Dee and Nina's roles and explains the developments. Dee Dee thinks this is the fruit of their hard work and while Stu might be upset now, he'll be able to clear his name and hold his head up high, letting those beautiful silvery locks just cascade, cascade down, <laughs> down his shoulders and move for the breeze and, yes, and those lovely those, baby blues.
1: And smiling with those perfect pearly whites.
0: But homeless Stu is frantic. He reckons he's already served time for this and justice has been served and he contemplates turning himself in again. How is this justice exactly, asks Jasmine. She tells Homeless Jew not to be such a sap. And later, Bridget calls and reveals that Lucy has been charged with perverting the course of justice. Oddly, not aiding and abetting or improper burial or concealing evidence or anything like that. Brid- I
1: think that's all covered under perverting the course of justice, isn't it? Oh, do you think? Yeah. Um,
0: Bridget has been charged with murder even though it wasn't premeditated and it's clearly manslaughter. And they have an inflatable toy for a solicitor, so they've pleaded guilty and they'll remain in custody until they're suspended. And I'm like, oh, for the love of God. Well,
1: if you plead guilty, then you'll get a lighter sentence.
0: Yeah, but if you steal some batteries out of a shop and you get charged with murder, you're not going to admit to that. And your lawyer's going to say, Wait a minute, I don't think the murder charge is really relevant here. Surely it should be just a shoplifting charge. Because murder is premeditated, and this but was not premeditated. she
1: didn't steal batteries, she killed someone. Yeah,
0: but she didn't murder anybody.
1: No, you're right, it wasn't premeditated, but... You know, she's she's under so much guilt because of what happened to her dad.
0: But her lawyer should be saying, Keep your mouth shut here.
1: Yeah. Well, they want... They're, they're just shoving this through as quickly as possible. And this is my
0: problem with it. So it's... that
1: we can get to teenage stuff in another storyline and maybe, oh, I don't know, solve another murder that has also happened on the street only more recently.
0: They're remaining in custody until sentencing. You think, well, that's going to be a few weeks then, right? Homer Shoe thinks this is too cruel given how they've just got back in each other's lives, Bridget asks him to look after Eliza, even though she's only seen him four times in 30 years. Holmishu doesn't know how he'll be able to look after an 11-year-old. He can barely look after himself, he says, putting his fingers to that lovely, lovely hair. Right. Yasmin yeah. tells him that together, they'll work it out. Aww. Meanwhile, Alia bonds with Eliza on a Hurdle. Hurdle, yes. Hurdle.
1: I've played Hurdle. You've played Hurdle, haven't you?
0: Yeah, that's one where you've got to identify Amber Heard and five guesses or less right no no that's that's amber hurdle that's that's
1: that's that's like that joke that joke aged like sour milk two weeks ago two months ago
0: i think that's
1: holy crap
0: i think that's what's got going in its favor
1: right it's like what's my uh, name that tune it's the electronic version of name that tune where oh the actual hurdle yeah yes
0: meanwhile alia bonds with eliza so that homeless shoe won't insist on making her move out so later bridget calls back and on speakerphone she explains to eliza that she'll not be coming home anytime soon homeless pop pop will be looking after her and she goes to tell the truth although we don't get to hear that because it would sound utterly ridiculous and on Wednesday, and Nina rolls Dee is chant to homeless Jew. She apologizes for the mess, but points out that he'll be exonerated soon, and then he can walk with his head held high.
1: We know it would sound but, ridiculous because it was ridiculous it was, the first uh, time we heard ridiculous.
0: it. But I loved Eliza's face as she's looking at the speakerphone, thinking, "What on earth? What is this bullshit that they're about to say right, up to yeah. me right here?" Right. <clears throat> Back home, we learn that Bridget has been sentenced already. That took twenty-four hours she's got 15 years and Lucy got 20 fucking hell says Jasmine how did that happen so Lucy gets five more years for covering up than Bridget gets for actually doing it
1: because Bridget was a minor when she when she killed someone so stupid and instead of going to the police the adult in the room said let's hide this I I can kind of understand that
0: this is this is happening on Wednesday the timeline of the show they've been in custody for i think 48 hours they've pleaded guilty and they've been sentenced already and that's them away that's them in jail it's like Bye. it's like for goodness sake you, you couldn't cut any more corners than this that, that, that was just
1: again so much like house of the dragon but
0: how are we or why are we is this just so eliza's in the show now and eliza has to live with homeless stew Is is that what all this is about
1: I don't know.
0: Cause I, I, don't, I don't think the homeless shoe storyline was needing another little girl.
1: Do we need another little girl on the
0: street? I mean, don't get me wrong. What
1: we need is more lesbians.
0: Eliza seems a lovely, precocious little girl. Yes. I, I don't know that she's exactly necessary at this point. And I don't know that she's necessary in the homeless shoe storyline.
1: The sheen is slightly off of her this week, though, because this week she's not this sweet little girl who thinks that her pop pop's amazing and you know they like all the same kind of music and stuff she actually acts like a kid this week going what the fuck is going on here <laughs> i don't know if i want to live with you homeless pop pop
0: yeah but then there's a knock at the door and it's social services who are there to tell homeless Jude that until he's been fully exonerated eliza will be put into care Possibly in a workhouse where she'll be fed gruel.
1: Right, yes, because let's remember from previous storylines, the worse we can make social services look, the better. and heartless, the better.
0: Yeah. She can't stay with her, uh, with her granddad who has served his time. Let's right, remember. yes,
1: let's remember. Has served his time. <laughs> she can't stay with a living relative who has served his time. She mm-hmm. must be put with people she doesn't know right. and also social services can't be arsed when they call to say somebody from social services is coming to let them know why somebody from social services is coming
0: was <laughs> another great little bit where, uh, where the, the social worker comes in and Eliza says, I'm going to go away with the the social worker I, I'm going to live with the social worker, I don't know the social right. worker and they're like, no it's much worse than that, you're going to go to a third party who right, you don't yes. know but this lady that you don't know is going to take you to other people that you don't know.
1: Right? Yes.
0: If only after, everyone was still alive.
1: After the rug has been pulled out from underneath you, to find out that your mother and your grandmother killed your pop pop's girlfriend.
0: <laughs> it's a 30 story. Years ago. As old as time.
1: Uh, it's like wait. It's really too bad that Toya can't be a foster parent. That's in what I'm the
0: world. saying. Yeah, if Imran is still alive, then she'd be going to Emran and Toya. But Toya's off running about with this Griff character, I guess.
1: Is she? I no. thought no. no she's back with that's, what's that's, his name, Spider.
0: Yeah, we'll 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 come to the one mention we, we that don't. That gets this we week. don't.
1: Yeah, we don't remember it because it happened uh, over a month ago and. We haven't seen either one of them since.
0: Eliza wants to stay with Homeless Jew if she can't stay with her mum and if she can't stay with her gran and if she can't stay with her friends. But since when did a wee lassie get what she wants and she's taken away, kicking and screaming by the social worker?
1: Never on this street.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so much of this that I've really... <laughs> I mean, again, in summary, this is a story about, uh, about characters that we don't know killing somebody that we don't know a long time ago. Right. It's essentially what the storyline's about. But now we've got Eliza, who has now been taken away.
1: Right, yeah. So, who we've just met and now is being taken away because so if, her because her pop up served time for a crime he didn't commit. And we already know he didn't commit it, but he already served the time.
0: I'm just not sure what, what the point just, of any of this is.
1: None of this makes any sense. Just like House of the Dragon.
0: Oh, you stop going to look at House of the Dragon. <laughs> It's not gonna be any better just because you keep on going on about it,
1: no, it's actually gonna be worse,
0: right., oh, it's just so hard to get enthusiastic <sighs> or or anything other than utterly frustrated by the storyline, yeah, and it's been going on for ages, and I... it's just never been important, and it's never made all that much sense and now and now, as it stands at the end of this week, he has met and lost his granddaughter and his daughter and ex-wife are going to be spending decades in jail right and that's that that's the sum total of and let's and, let's make homeless Jew a murderer
1: and yet and yet and yet he's not yet exonerated even though they've charged other people with the crime that he they're in supposedly jail, committed yeah <laughs> they're, they're in already jail. in jail what what else does he need to do to get exonerated what is there like an official ceremony? And, and that's going to take more time because King Charles doesn't know how to do it yet. The little ceremony that, that says you're exonerated now. You are no longer a bad guy. I don't think
0: the king needs to get involved in this.
1: Well, he's got to do something.
0: I suppose. Moving on to our next storyline this, this, this morning, this evening, is Bernie at the Double.
1: Another stupid fucking storyline. No, I
0: kind of enjoyed this.
1: I enjoyed it before. I now hate it.
0: Oh really? Well let's let's well, find out why. Most of it. On Monday, Nina Rolls Ryan is preparing for a vinyl fair in Rill.
1: I know, I'm really excited. <laughs> I wanna go.
0: Okay. He explains to Bernie how there's money to be made with collectibles. Bernie asks him round to hers later because she has a few rarities in her collection and she doesn't mean that in her knickers way or a porno way. No. Later, she speaks to Gemma announcing that her job interview has been blown off following advice from Fern from last week. Right. That was when Fern told Bernie that the agency is a bunch of crooks. Right. Don't you bother. Right. So Ryan visits her later and after thumbing through some utter atrocities he finds a white label single that might be worth something he goes off to speak to a mate about how much it might be worth yeah meanwhile though we see fern at the job interview and she's all dressed up as bernie and she's kind of talking a bit like bernie as well a little where she's offered a job for a high-end client looking for a start today nice to meet you mrs winter the interviewer says
1: yes because this is how high-end clients get their get their get their cleaners
0: right Call me Bernie," says Fern. In the pub, Bernie learns from Ryan that the single might be worth six hundred quid. I know. She agrees to sell it at the vinyl fair in Rill. Bernie's luck is a changing.
1: Yeah.
0: And at closing time, Fern turns up at a jeweller where she will be left to her own devices right. on the first day of her job.
1: This is the high end. This is the high end client of this cleaning operation that's run by this man in a vest. <laughs> who in a teeny tiny cramped office mm-hmm. this high-end jewelry store who you would think would have would already have a cleaner
0: the guy it, who runs the agency looks like he should be a woodwork teacher
1: yes yes that's what i thought he looks like my old woodworking teacher mr fournier i haven't thought about him in years
0: my woodwork teacher I think he had, had, that vest. had a glass eye <laughs>
1: It was was it from a woodworking accident
0: uh, one, one assumes but no one <laughs> no one was uh, brave enough to ask him mm. so yeah she turns up at this jeweler where she'll be left alone to her own devices on her first day on the job and she's told to keep the door locked and when the owner leaves Fern's face lights up like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction
1: now when jewelry stores are closed mm-hmm. when jewelry stores are closed what traditionally happens in jewelry stores when they are closed We've walked by jewellery stores before when they have been closed in malls and things, right? Do they have all the jewellery out on display when they are closed?
0: Well, they pull down the shutters. I know that much. They pull down like the the metal barriers and stuff, right? And they
1: take all the jewellery and they lock it up in the back. This guy has just met her. (laughs) And he's leaving her alone with all of this jewellery not locked up in the back. What is going on here? And why are they not open in the middle of the day?
0: Well, that's that's on Wednesday.
1: What's going on here?
0: Because at Nina's Rolls, Bernie gets a call <coughs> uh, from Fern, seemingly asking what her plans are for the rest of the day. Bernie explains that she has the afternoon off, so they arrange to meet at the Quad House later. And Fern is back at the jeweler again, cleaning during business hours, until the boss nips off for his lunch and shuts the shop up, leaving Fern inside, and as soon as he's gone, she pulls up her hood and starts pilfering all the jewels and watches and stuff into a fresco bag. She's seen by CCTV, but obviously doesn't care, and then heads out the back exit.
1: Now, jewelry stores typically have more than one person working in them.
0: They typically don't shut for lunch either.
1: No. No. You would have somebody else there working and would toggle your lunch breaks. And you'd have one it open assume. for
0: the lunchtime rush.
1: Right. Because, you know, there are men who decide on their lunchtime to propose to their longtime girlfriends because every day is a rom-com.
0: I would say that jewelers are going to get more trade during the lunch hours than they are going to at like 10 o'clock in the morning.
1: Right, because businessmen need to buy apology gifts for their wives and because thank you for the sex gifts for their mistresses. That's right, because Be- it's a
0: nineteen seventy sitcom. Yes. Meanwhile, Bernie has turned up at the rovers, furious that Fern was supposed to meet her at home, but then didn't show up, the stupid cow. And she meets up with Dev later, and they head back home to get their hold. But on the way, they're stopped by the cops, who arrest Bernie for robbery. Again, it's not Tinker.
1: Right, yeah. They they arrest her for robbery. Let's all remember, this robbery just happened that day, correct? Mm. Yes. Yes. And the woman in the CCTV video is wearing a pink hoodie. Because that's what you wear when you work in a high-end jewellery store as a cleaner. It's a pink hoodie.
0: Down at the station, Bernie's shown the CCTV. She insists that that isn't her, but the copper says, well, it looks like you to me. Not
1: wearing the same clothes that you're wearing right now, and you wouldn't have had time to have changed.
0: Bernie twigs and realises it's her doppelganger. It's a woman called Fern. This is a stitch-up. She's been framed. Either way, Bernie will be spending a night in the cells, and she's not even drunk and disorderly. On Friday, in the cop shop, Bernie is sticking to her story to a disbelieving PC and blaming herself for falling for the bait, calling this the perfect crime. She tells the copper to do her fucking job and track this film yeah. down. Yeah!
1: Do your fucking job! Do your due diligence! It's a blonde, middle-aged woman on the screen wearing clothes that Bernie is not wearing. Mm. It doesn't look that much like her. Yeah, it does. And she's wearing different clothes and you're not going to follow that up Bernie's at all clothes, though. and also well the cop doesn't know that this is true and why does it take Bernie so long to say she called me and also during this time and this time I was at the pub and I was over here I was at work in my other job she says these things yeah. but it doesn't register
0: she was also at home alone with no alibi for a long period of time though but there's there's something more that's that's problematic with the storyline. But we'll, we'll we'll get there. There's
1: so much problematic with the storyline. Where Dev's, do we
0: begin? Gemma is on the phone to the cop shop, but she can't get any more information out of them. She tells Dev that robbery like this is far too risky even for her mom. Dev is doing a stock take and doesn't seem too concerned that his girlfriend has been lifted. And during the Bernie storyline, let's quickly just mention that Chesney, Todd, and later Kirk and Jacob. Chat about refugees and asylum seekers. Oh, God. What's... In, a, in a very not heavy handed manner.
1: Ah, uh, it's fucking Steve explaining racism to Tim all over again, isn't it? Yep. And, you know, Asha and Amy and Summer explaining misogyny to Max all over again.
0: Yeah. This time Jacob was explaining the difference between an asylum seeker and a refugee.
1: Again, I'm happy to see Jacob.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: I'm happy to see him, but the, he's 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 doing a fair job of explaining it. But the thing that gets me here is Todd and Chesney having this conversation out of the blue, there are no refugees on the street. Nobody's walking by with a sign over their head saying, I'm a refugee. No,
0: to be fair, Chesney did see that there was some there was a little box of stuff that Maria was collecting for refugees. and that, That's what triggered the conversation. Yeah,
1: he, he mentions that she's collecting for refugees. But it
0: sounded to me like Chesney was about to start complaining about refugees.
1: Well, Tom... <laughs> Todd,
0: chesney was about to get all ukip and get his little fisher Price binoculars out and head down to dover and start looking for small boats
1: todd is complaining about the fact that every time he turns around people are collecting for charities why are there so many charities 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 he's, he's fucking right out of a charles dickens novel is our todd
0: chesney though is very <laughs> very right winged <laughs>
1: They're both right-wing, let's be honest.
0: I, th- I think uh, Todd was was practicing a little five-minute stand-up routine that he had on charities.
1: Todd's right-wing, but <laughs> so? he's one of those self-hating gays. Um, um, I, I just... When have these two ever had a conversation between the two of them about anything before now? Todd... And Chesney. I know Todd has just picked up food, but are they close enough to be having this conversation? Doesn't Chesney have to go back inside and do his job?
0: I think on Monday they're going to talk about trans rights together. Anyway, back at the cop shop, Bernie comes clean and gives them gives the cops Fern's address and phone number and confesses about standing in for Fern at the speed awareness course. Right. If she's admitting this, surely this proves she's on the level. But the copper isn't falling for it and thinks that she's the one trying to set this poor Fern up.
1: Right. Because, because this is, because this, because let's remember, not only are social services the devil, the police... And please ignore what I said about the police earlier tonight. Which was fuck the police. yes. Yes, it was fuck the police. Just checking. Police are stupid and are dumb and don't know how to interrogate people properly or even do their jobs. Because this cop is saying to Bernie, it's your job to prove your innocence. And it's not her job to prove her innocence. There's this thing, and I know we have it in the UK as well as the US. It's called Innocent until proven guilty it is on the cops to prove her guilty and it takes more than cctv of a woman it. with a hood up they have not checked fingerprints oh, they finger have not done with
0: your fingerprints.
1: any dna it's
0: like dna is going to come into this
1: there there would be Dian- fern's dna in nobody's,
0: that shop nobody's testing fuck all for dna in this
1: nobody story. is nobody is doing fuck all except for yelling at poor bernie
0: because We have the CCTV, and unless you can come up with a better story, you're going up in front of the magistrate on this. But that's
1: you, you can't just say that's a blonde woman with your build wearing clothes similar to yours with your that's name. That's got to be you
0: with your name.
1: How, how did that even happen? Because even if she's even if she knows her name, does she have her identification and everything?
0: Well, she had the bank statement, I think that's what that was for,
1: right? But That doesn't prove that she's her and running like all of the tax information and everything. This is, oh God, this whole thing is still
0: isn't the worst part about the story. uh, And I'm amazed we haven't talked about it yet. Bernie reckons it's a matter of time before Fern finds another doppelganger. That's a stretch. Later, the cops have had no luck tracking Fern down. The number that Bernie gave them was out of service.
1: She called her from that number. Bernie, show them your phone. Show them that you got a call from that number the other day. That's proof right there.
0: Bernie points out that if she did rob the jewellers, where's the jewels? The cops let her go but tell her not to start any box sets. So Bernie gets home pissed off that no one tried to get her out, which I thought was pretty funny. It was funny. She tells Gemma and Chesney that she didn't do it, but they and all four quads look unconvinced right there's, on leashes there's Ivor the quad jones the quad daffod the quad Hrio the quad and gwen the quad
1: and also frodo and bilbo the quads
0: bernie brings everyone up to speed with her shenanigans with fern and explains the money coming her ways from selling that white label right but they still don't believe her so bernie leaves in the huff and Dev meets Bernie at the rovers later. She explains her story to him and Dev decides to believe her this time because yeah. he tried believing her, he tried disbelieving her last time and that didn't work out too well.
1: Right, and also he wants to continue to enjoy getting his hold.
0: This time he's on her side and this fern bitch has messed with the wrong people. That's as far as we get with that this week.
1: And that was very sweet. I liked that part of the story and nothing else.
0: Okay, so I think you've made it cleared your, uh, what also, you think's wrong on this. Here's what I think's wrong with this. <clears throat> now, Bernie was going to get an interview with a cleaning company. Right. Fern catches wind of this Right. and says, don't go. I'm going to go. Right. So she goes and right. gets a job. Right. At what point does she know that this job is going to be for a a cleaning company? Uh jewelers.
1: She does it. She does And it. that is that is yes, that is the worst thing about that's, this. That's
0: the worst part of this. That is the
1: most ridiculous part of this because she has no idea. She has no idea.
0: All she's doing as None. far as as far as she's concerned is getting a job that Bernie would have got. But she doesn't look like she needs a job like that.
1: Right. Yeah. We were led to believe that she is a wealthy woman. I I am assuming she has gambling debts. Because she likes the yeah, ponies. Yeah, she likes the ponies. She does like the ponies, so I can I can see why. Maybe this high end. Remember, when this all started, and we thought it was going to be this sweet, charming story about Bernie having a doppelganger, yeah, and it was going to be funny, and they they were going to maybe trade places a few times, yeah. and we'd get some comedy out of it. Because let's remember. Bernie is a comedy character, yep. and what this world needs right now, more than anything, is it murders broom?
0: Murders broom. What's murders broom?
1: Is it murders comma broom?
0: Oh, fine. You call me broom. No. Uh,
1: is it teenage pregnancy broom?
0: It needs pregnancy. The world does need pregnancy. But the world does, does need not need
1: pregnancy uh-uh. right now, let's be honest. The need world a- needs to cut back on some pregnancies.
0: Right. Why I'll, does the show
1: not give us what we want? We want comedy and we want sweet stories where Roy finds his dead wife's anorak. That's what we want. I think give us what we want.
0: I think this might might yet turn out to be a comedy story.
1: It's fucking ridiculous. It is broom. ridiculous,
0: but I don't think that I'm not enjoying this being called malarkey.
1: I'm mad, so I'm calling <clears> you Broom.
0: But uh, yeah, the the whole
1: you can call me Broom.
0: All the the problems with the police procedural because they're never going to get a police procedural 100 percent right because it's not that show and don't it, they don't try. They don't. Maybe they try. Maybe they don't try. They don't but, try but at the moment. To me, it's the the storyline already doesn't make sense before we even get to that. So there's there's nothing that the police do that's going to make this make sense. No. Because it already doesn't make sense because Fern should not. How can she plan this when she doesn't know where she's going to be working? And the whole opening and closing times of a jeweler's just is only there because the plot dictates it. Right. it's, come on, we're better than this. And, we're and than we us. all
1: know that jewelry stores when they close, they lock everything up. They don't leave it out on display. <sighs> and especially with someone that they don't know. Yeah. They haven't checked her credentials. They're just depending upon this place that hired her just today to do this very important job.
0: This high inclined that she had no idea who right. they were. Yeah. Talking about leaving it all out for display, our next storyline <coughs> is Tim's Bobby. On Monday
1: This at least
0: Well nothing really Controversial happened here right? No Poor Tim is still In the bad books With Sally Who heads Who hands back The boring necklace Of the week From a couple of weeks ago And it (laughs) eventually comes out That Tim bought (laughs) Aggie The necklace of the week From a couple of weeks ago Yes Of course this makes Sally angrier Tim says he's sorry For not confiding in Sally But he did With Aggie who has a medical background, given that she's a nurse. Right. Sally wants a more trusting relationship, and she storms off.
1: Right, yeah. She's mad because she she's, she says she'd rather Tim talk to Steve and Peter mm. about his medical problems yes. than a registered nurse. Yes.
0: Meanwhile, at the Bailey House, Ed has found out that Aggie was with Tim while James was nearly dying. Ed, who had previously looked upon this fairly calmly is now uh, thinking that she's let Tim come between her and her family and this changes everything, except that's not what she did. She was temporarily unavailable. Right. She didn't know that James was about to die and chose to chat to Tim about his penis instead. No. That didn't happen. No. They she were, was just temporarily They
1: were baking unavailable. something.
0: And then those roles, Sally runs into <laughs> Aggie and insists to sit down and talk about the elephant in the room. Reluctantly, Aggie agrees. but tells
1: all... Bobby is the elephant in the room. <laughs>
0: yes. But all Sally wants to do is throw barbs at Aggie, telling her maybe she should focus on her own relationship with Ed rather than interfere in someone else's marriage. And this seems to really hurt Aggie. She f- she's kind of moving about like she's been everybody's punch bag today. And, yeah. And she goes to the builder's yard and tells Ed that she loves him and he says that he loves her too. And they sit together and chat to each other mm-hmm. about how their days went and they hold hands.
1: Right. And how shit the nhs is
0: back home sally is giving tim a harder time of it though refusing his suggestion of some intimacy exercises and lamenting that he didn't do his usual effort of buying her petrol station chocolates for her birthday after all and that's as far as we get with that this week yeah. being so sally quite continues quite to be awful yeah
1: i was i had this hope when she suggests to aggie that they sit down and talk
0: mm-hmm all she wanted to do was shout at Aggie.
1: Right, yeah, because Aggie is sitting there and she's very calmly saying very reasonable things about, yes, it's very important to be honest with your partner, but sometimes you need to vent to someone who is not your partner so that you don't hurt your partner's feelings. Right. And that she calls her sisters all the time and Sally just explodes at her because Tim's not her sister? Yeah. Basically, it's it's the whole women and men can't be friends. It's shit. Yes, and and yet, and yet there are men on the street who are friends with women. Women they've been intimate with even and have talked about the problems in their home life and their marriages. Look at Peter and Toya.
0: I was just about to say Peter and Toya just sharing some moments in the community right. garden talking about yeah, and then Peter and Leanne right as well sharing some moments together right
1: right. If they didn't have that, men and women on the street would not talk to one another.
0: No. No, it's, it's just it's
1: The way she whips that necklace at his head. Like she's trying to take it off mm-hmm. his head, not the necklace cuz it's already off. Right. You know, it's just
0: it Sally was not in the loop. No. Basically is Put, she's And really, how dare really... she
1: not be in the loop? Right. Because she's Sally. She needs to be in the loop at all times. And that's fucking ridiculous. That
0: is kind of Sally, Nobody though.
1: Nobody is in the loop all the time. No. You know, I was saying to Benny earlier, you know, who is our son and not our spouse, obviously, because that would be creepy. But, you know, we were talking about how it would be nice... If we talk to one another a little bit more, but then I made the caveat. I was like, look, I don't need to know everything about your life because you're a 16 year old boy. You don't need to be telling everything in your life to your mom. It's okay for family members to not talk about everything Mm -hmm. with one another. And you'd think Sally, a mature woman, would know that.
0: It's just hurt feelings, basically, isn't it? She's got hurt feelings and it's making her act irrationally, which is kind of right, Sally. because she's a woman. Well, she's kind of Sally.
1: Because, look at Ed. Ed at first is upset because of the whole James thing, but then in less than 10 minutes, he's okay again because they talk rationally to one another mm-hmm. because they are mature adults who love one another and are secure in their marriage which Sally should be with Tim after all they've been through. Sally didn't find out that one of her children was dying while Tim was hanging out with Aggie. But not like that. Right. Yeah. But not like that. Hmm. It's just, you know, it's the whole hysterical woman thing again. And I'm just, I'm over it. It's Sally, though. She's supposed to be smart.
0: She's supposed to be high maintenance.
1: She is a bit arrogant. Mm-hmm. But she's also supposed to be smart and one of the more mature people on the street. It's
0: it's hurt feelings. People mm-hmm. do irrational things with hurt feelings. That's true. But let's all just remain thankful that Aggie and Tim probably aren't going to be having an affair at this point. Thank God. Moving on, the next storyline is Canadian Cycle.
1: <coughs> Are you going to play the music again? <coughs>
0: Can if you want. This is me playing this, by the way.
1: Yeah. This you're isn't, doing a good job. This
0: isn't the Halloween team tune, this is me playing this. Yeah. Good job. It's 5 4 time.
1: Because <coughs> <coughs> that's
0: <to> <coughs> That's my favourite bit. Anyway that's enough of that yes again on Wednesday Stephen drops into the hair salon to see Audrey and shits his pants when he sees Gabrielle is there getting her hair done
1: that was hilarious the whole reveal of who sh- whose hair she was doing because they're very good with those camera angles mm-hmm. so that you don't see the face of the person right sitting there
0: I actually forgot who that was <laughs> Audrey nips off for a shite and Stephen asks Gabrielle if this is a threat she says as soon as she gets her money she'll be out of his hair no pun intended None noticed She leaves And when Audrey comes back She assumes that Stephen has the hot still for Gabrielle Stephen quickly changes the subject To the memorial thing in another storyline And a Zoom call that he needs to dial into And this makes Audrey say Zoom quite a bit
1: Zoom, zoom, zoom,
0: zoom. So in the Rovers, Stephen gets on the phone to his people and demands to know how long the equity release thing is going to take to come through. And unsatisfied by the answer he gets, he tells them that he's going to phone them again tomorrow. On Friday, Nina's rolls, Audrey's chatting with Gabrielle, who is bumming her up. Gabrielle wants, like to, that. wants to know why Audrey wanted to meet. And Audrey stalls a little longer until Stephen comes in. And Stephen's apparently there to meet Audrey as well. And uh oh. She's arranged for them both to have breakfast together, saying it's obvious that they have unfinished business to take care of. Audrey, which is not which is not. Untrue. Untrue. Audrey quickly leaves, and Stephen pretends that he has a conference call to attend to, and he leaves too.
1: Yeah, he's so bad at faking that call. Yeah.
0: And the rovers, Jenny's chatting about Stephen and her efforts in trying to find Sinkhole Leo. This seems to have included watching a Wayne Gretzky documentary and some Degrassi junior high. Steven. Excellent
1: show. Yeah. I love Degrassi.
0: Uh, it was the kids of Degrassi Street when I watched it. Was that that was separate from Degrassi Junior High? I think.
1: I, I think it was like a a sequel.
0: Uh prequel. I would say. I think kids off came before. And Junior then, High. and then,
1: I, and then after Degrassi High, it was just Degrassi. Yeah. Drake was on that. Who? Drake, the singer. You know Drake.
0: Uh, I'm unfamiliar with his work.
1: We've, we've talked about him in the list of lists. Oh, have
0: we? Yeah. I should be paying more attention then. Maybe. Stephen thinks Leo is punishing Jenny, but will come round eventually. Stephen seems to be taking this being a murderer in his stride now. None of this behaviour is like sinkhole Leo. She reckons something is wrong and she's not going to rest until she finds out what. Stephen arranges to meet Audrey in the Rovers later and tells her to back all the way off with Gabrielle. The two of them are history and the less he has to deal with her, the better.
1: Well, well, well. i well. write.
0: Says Audrey. Wow. Wow. Hmm? Hmm? Wow. Later, Stephen goes through the back of the Rovers and tells Jenny that Cinco Leo isn't worth her effort after he ghosted her like that. And maybe he could get, maybe she should get herself some more Canadian bacon, if you know what I mean. But then Cinco Leo's dad bursts in, unsurprised to see Stephen there. And he hasn't heard from his son either, and neither have his friends. It's like he's vanished off the face of the earth, and maybe it's time to call the police. Go. says Stephen unsuspiciously
1: yeah he says the gulp part unsuspiciously not the maybe we should call the police part
0: unsuspiciously and that's as far as we get with that yeah this week
1: it was nice when you know the leo Sinkhole leo's dad bursts in and he's all mad but then once he sees jenny's face and hears jenny say i haven't heard from him either and i try all the time That he he starts to seem like really genuinely concerned. And also he softens a bit to Jenny, which was nice.
0: This is an interesting little conundrum for them, though, because as far as they're concerned, he's now living in Canada. Right. And if he doesn't want to be found, he can make it very difficult for them to find him.
1: Right. But it is weird that he just dropped off the face of the planet and nobody's heard from him.
0: Cut all ties.
1: And... If they dig a little deeper and find out he wasn't on that flight, if they do call the police and the police look into it and he wasn't on that flight, then the plot thickens because in this day and age, for someone to be complete, to disappear this completely is nigh impossible with CCTV and ATM machines and social media. You know, even if it's not your own social media, you'll walk, you will statistically be walking sometime this week by other people you don't know and accidentally have your photo taken.
0: There is the book, How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found, which became a Radiohead song. Mm-hmm.
1: That was that was well before social media, though.
0: I don't know if it was well before it. And then there's the, what's, what's the program, the, the Hunters or something where people try and and evade
1: yeah that lasted like what one season
0: Oh, such a good show i loved it
1: you did i remember that
0: i think i think they brought it back i think they brought it back for another season yeah celebrity but it was hunters or whatever but it was was
1: difficult you know and they found all of those people because it's really hard to do
0: (laughs) the one guy who evaded them did so by mistake right everything that he did was it was just luck or by mistake but he managed to evade them
1: Although they've they've done a new uh, season of Unsolved Mysteries that just came out and this woman they're still looking for who murder who shot her boyfriend in the head and then dismembered him into three pieces and they found him they found the three bags with the three bits of him along the Ohio Turnpike would oh, you believe
0: Oh better familiar with that
1: And they still haven't found her so
0: oh yeah that's that's the important part of it not right. recognize the road yeah right yeah yeah i think this is going to be uh we'll, we'll get some more of this uh next week hopefully when when leo's dad does go to the police because mm-hmm. who's Stephen? to him he's not going to take his advice no no and, and, in and fact not, and not should in he.
1: fact he's he does not like Stephen No, it's
0: very distrusting of Stephen So,
1: of course he's not going to take his advice
0: But I just find it remarkable that Stephen now After the kind of mental torment That he was going through When Cinco Leo fell dead Into the bin right. He seems to have Kind of gotten himself over that glossed over that Quite quite smoothly, At hence least... the Canadian psycho
1: Right, yeah and And thinking that Canadian bacon is a good metaphor for his penis. That's streaky. And flat. And salty. And pink.
0: <laughs> and I think I think that's all the attributes we need to list. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh I'm kinda keen I'm kinda keen to see actually where, where this ends up. Do you think he'll murder again? I've got a feeling that he might. And I've got a feeling Or at that, least try. Yeah, maybe Think Collio's dad should be treading a little a little carefully here.
1: Well, I think the people who need to worry the most at the moment are Audrey and and his Oh wife. Audrey, definitely,
0: yeah. And yeah.
1: And you know, I don't really like his wife either, who walks into Nina's rolls and orders a latte with like a fancy name.
0: It was and, yeah, done espresso with hot milk.
1: Right, yeah. I instead of saying of an espresso with hot milk she says this hoity-toity thing that Shona is never going to know
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: like go fuck yourself lady
0: although she did know who some footballers were so remember that time that Shona got shot in the stomach and ended up with brain damage with Brain damage. Yes. Yeah. our penultimate storyline tonight is second hand sex cardigan on Monday at home, Daisy has encouraged Daniel to empty all his shite clothes out of the cupboard uh, for Summer's clothes swap thing that she's got going on. He has lots of Sinead's stuff, which she has a good old sniff off before telling Daisy that maybe it's time to let it go. Bye bye, cardigan. Sinead was into recycling after all. You do you, says Daisy, diplomatically and lightheartedly. So Daisy and Daniel hand over the bags of clothes to a very happy Summer. Daniel looks on wistfully as Summer walks away with bags of Sinead's stuff.
1: Including the sex cardigan.
0: On Wednesday, Daniel and Daisy turn up at Summer's clothes event shite thing. Daisy donating some old jackets that will be important later on. There's some brief conversation about throwing Sinead's stuff out. Daniel insists it's fine. He's got lots more clothes and photos to remind him of his dead wife. And Bertie, says Daisy. Yes, says Daniel. And Bertie. Where is Bertie? Then on Friday He's with Pop Pop. After six months out of work, Daniel suddenly has some interviews lined up, seemingly in PR, much to Daisy's amusement. After this, he asks her to move in with him, which makes her squeal in delight or terror. It's impossible to tell which. No. So the back in the rovers, Daisy explains that the idea of moving into Sinead's old flat doesn't exactly make her moist in anticipation. She'd prefer something that wasn't so entirely Daniel's, and Jenny listens on. Interestedly.
1: Right, yeah. Well, she does care about Daisy's
0: life. And the rovers later, Daniel reveals that he failed all four interviews. <laughs> finally. Finally. A storyline <laughs> I can believe in. And then in a oh didn't I tell you sort of way, he reveals that his tenants, presumably <coughs> at his mum's house, are moving out, and then he has to rush off to pick up Bertie. Back home, Daniel's about to phone the state agents about the new tenants. Daisy tells him not to be too hasty, thinking that the new house could be the new chapter that he's been looking for. A new chapter for both of them. Daniel thinks she could be onto something here. But maybe their wires are crossed because he then shows her a picture that Bertie drew of Daisy moving in. And Bertie gets what Bertie wants, says Daniel, somewhat ominously. Right. Paul's in the picture as well. Yes.
1: Because Paul's a member of the family.
0: So I'm I'm glad we're remembering that he's got this big fancy fuck-off house that's
1: right that's just sitting well it's not sitting empty it's got tenants in it
0: well, you it's
1: stay. it's better than it's better than the undertaker's big massive empty house
0: that we're not just not talking about it anymore just,
1: yeah that not even glinda is staying in <laughs> right. because we saw everybody sitting on the stairs there was
0: nine people in that photograph i think wasn't there there was eileen george todd uh sean dylan mary and glenda glenda just seven seven just seven people just
1: seven people in the toti house meanwhile the undertaker has a big old house just sitting empty
0: yep (laughs) it was a stairs worth of people it was a great photo though
1: it was a great photo it's a very dumb premise
0: yeah i don't know where we're going with this kind of cross wires thing i do oh do you i don't approve i'm not even pretending that you don't know then
1: I'm not going to say what it is but I'll just say it's the most convoluted mess of a storyline I have ever seen and I watched Corey this week.
0: Well that can't can't be true that can't possibly be true
1: Yeah, It's another three's company scenario Well
0: I assume that that these crossed wires are going to be amplified but I don't know I'm still I'm still linking Daisy though I'm I'm much preferring Daisy (laughs) these days than I, I did before she's
1: and I like their relationship. I think they are very cute together. I think they have chemistry. I think, I think they do. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a good fit for both of them. I think they both kind of fill out the gaps in one another yep. in a very nice way. And, yeah. and I'm happy that their storylines, as of now, have been sweet and charming and nice.
0: What I'm liking as well about Daisy's Work situation there is we've got Jenny Daisy and Glenda working at the pub and they you need somebody to hate right. and they both seem to hate Glenda right and Glenda either doesn't recognise it or, or chooses care. to ignore it right and that's just making that little uh dynamic chemistry thing work particularly well in the pub at the moment right yeah L- long may that continue
1: right yeah and. And we even have Gemma in the mix who loves everybody yeah. and that's kind of the the and healing bridge.
0: She does love Glenda and her stories about the, right. the cruises.
1: And she does love Daisy and Jenny, yep. obviously. Where's Sean?
0: Don't ask these questions, you.
1: I'm surprised look, we look don't... Look what
0: happened when you asked where Chesney was. <laughs> I'm that.
1: surprised we don't see Sean's peacock shirt in the clothing swap.
0: That and the... And Paul's unicorn. Well, we do see that. Rainbow Unicorn Wednesday, which we do see. And we see it in this, which our, our final storyline, Summer of 69. <laughs> what? On Monday. Wait.
1: That's not how you make a baby, Madeline.
0: What? <laughs> On Monday, <coughs> and then there's Summer is. Pitching her clothes swap jumble thing to Daisy, who agrees to organise a bag of her old stuff for it and eventually right. gives her a jacket or two. Summer is made up what would Daisy be a style icon and influencer and all that. Paul donates his budgie smugglers and is sad to add his Rainbow Unicorn onesie to the batch.
1: Yeah, after after having his cheetah print song rejected by
0: Summer. <laughs> and Summer Summer meets up with a weird woman who's organizing the swap. It's Esther's her name. And hands over the stuff Summer explains that she appreciates the project As it's kept her mind occupied Following her breakup And the woman informs Summer that she knows what it's like Given that she and her hubby Are going through a tough time at the moment as well Summer is only interested Summer is only interested in her own problems Says Addy She doesn't care about mine And I got fucking shot On Wednesday The clothes swap is in full swing Billy dropping off a couple of bin bags of body parts Asha is concerned for someone who is putting on a brave face by which we mean she's depressed as fuck. Carla and Peter happen along and once Carla's satisfied that they're not selling second hand knickers, they're encouraged to donate too.
1: But they are selling bras.
0: Yeah, Nina and Asha both claim first dibs on Carla's stuff which are quite light. Yes. And then Peter said that he's off to a protest with Griff later. Yes. Which means that Griff is still a thing.
1: Right, yes. And I think we need I think we need to address the fact that both Daisy and Carla in speaking to their significant Barlows yes. mention the fact that some of their clothes aren't fitting very well and that they have tummy aches.
0: Oh yes, that's important as well.
1: That is important, believe it or not.
0: Later. Summer looks on wistfully as Aaron leaves Nina Rolls and heads to the garage. Asha sees this and follows him over, explaining how Summer was a bit upset that it didn't come to say hello. Aaron explains that he does care for Summer, but he has to focus on his dad. And when Asher reports back in this, Summer is disappointed that she doesn't mean more to him than his dad. Well, maybe if you didn't continually break up every five minutes, right. you would do. Yes,
1: and apparently his dad is now in a rehabilitation program. Which he said
0: he would never do, so that's progress. Right, that is it, progress.
1: And, yeah. if he's, and if he's staying at this rehabilitation program, then Aaron really doesn't have to do anything for his dad right now, does he? Except for like... Run the Roomba through the room every once in a while.
0: Later, Carla comes along and she too drops off some jackets while Daisy remembers that she's an influencer so starts taking selfies at a jumble sale. Gemma comes along and picks up a denim jacket for a knockdown price although she does try and haggle against a charity. She heads into Nina's rolls to show it off to Chesney who recognizes that it's a new item of clothing and remembers to say how nice it is.
1: Right, and also worry about how much it may have cost.
0: Gemma takes it off throws it on a chair and then heads off for a shite and as soon as she's gone her phone rings and Chesney goes into her pocket and rather than the phone he plucks out a pissy old pregnancy test and now, it's positive
1: now it's got the cap put back on it so no urine is exposed to the inside of that jacket so it's okay
0: if that's in the pocket what else is in the pocket? ugh yikes yikes
1: the cap is on. It's fine. Mm. I know people who frame those and hang them on their wall.
0: Those are the same people that smear feces on uh, the walls of uh, the Capitol building. <laughs> I was going to say uh, cubicles and in, in ladies' rooms.
1: That never happens in ladies' rooms. There's never shite on the walls in the ladies' room. We are not monsters like you men.
0: Well, you would say that. I would. When Gemma comes back, Chesney has gone white. Whiter! (laughs) He shows her the (coughs) test. He's
1: practically translucent.
0: (laughs) He shows her the test. She checks it out and then after a second starts pissing herself laughing. With five kids, they hardly ever get the chance to do anything fruity. And when they do, it's belts and braces all the way, which is a detail that's enough to send Nina spinning away with coffee refills. But if it's not Gemma who's pregnant, then who is?
1: Fruity must mean something different in the United Kingdom than it, than it does.
0: Fruity is about how's your father.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, wh- so, why, would, why would two straight people be acting fruity then?
0: Because it's about a, it's about a, a
1: Right. Between, between two members of the same sex.
0: Oh, no. It's just general, general uh, bedroom Olympics. What are you doing?
1: (coughs) I'm trying to simulate...
0: You're frapping.
1: I'm trying to simulate homosexual sex with my fingers. Oh. I don't think I'm doing a very good job. No. I've never been in the room when it happens. I've seen it on TV.
0: Any more you want to say about this or can I move on?
1: Yes, please. (laughs) I think it's also important to know that when Daisy is filming with with her phone... Making this video, that Carla objects because she's looking sickly and haggard these days. Mm.
0: So in the Rovers, there's a bit of a who-done-it that goes on. Gemma reckons it's Daisy, but Daisy practically vomits at the idea of pushing a baby out of her bits. Next, they suspect Carla, but Carla laughs just about as much as Gemma, and Peter joins in, whatever that means.
1: Right? Yeah. So that just remember when they had that conversation when Bertie was like a baby, and Peter says you ever think about it Carla's like no
0: (laughs) but then we cut to the end of the jumble sale and Summer is complaining to Paul that she can't find her bloody denim jacket (gasps) and then Paul heads to the rovers and he runs into Gemma who shows off her fancy new denim jacket and she explains the piss stick that she found in the pocket and the mystery of the who's up the duff Gulp, says Paul lightheartedly, and he rushes off to speak with Summer.
1: Fuck this fucking show.
0: And Summer explains that Gemma bought her jacket, and he reveals what he found in the pocket, what was found in the pocket, and he hasn't told Billy, but he encourages her to tell Aaron. If this really is a shitstorm, it's both of their shitstorm. And she reckons he has enough to worry about without all this nonsense. Paul explains his part in getting Aaron to back off, although I don't think anything Paul said weighed in the slightest in Aaron's decision no but she and goes off he s- also
1: explains that it takes two to tango yeah
0: but she goes off to see him after all and tells him the news and he's shocked thanks her for telling them hugs her and promises that he'll support her whatever they decide to do
1: fuck this fucking show in the fucking ass <laughs>
0: on friday i hate
1: it here on god
0: <clears throat> in nina's roles paul and summer are chatting she hasn't told billy yet but she's back with aaron now who has promised to stand by her Paul mentions these fangled new pills that you can get for abortions these days. In the factory, Esther, who doesn't work in the factory, is in the factory talking to Summer, who barely works at the factory, and they agree to meet up uh, to talk about the jumble later, which doesn't really explain why Esther is in a place where she doesn't work.
1: Right, and Esther goes on and on about how good the hot pots are, supposedly, at the rovers. Yeah.
0: Summer is in the garage talking to Aaron, explaining about the meeting with Esther at lunch later, Billy apparently is too busy to attend, which Aaron isn't going to lose any sleep over. But it turns out that Billy really is there with this Mike and Esther characters. And he wonders why the fuck Aaron is there, Does or Billy. Billy's a bit of an asshole for, for long periods of this story.
1: Yeah, yeah. At well, lunch, <coughs>
0: yeah. Esther is complaining about the hotbot, while Billy seems to be complaining about Sean's skinny jeans. Aaron and Summer look like they want everyone to die and Summer hasn't touched their sandwich so Billy starts fussing just as Paul comes in and then he's keen to chat to Aaron in front of strangers about his relationship with Summer and confusion reigns Esther offers Summer an ibuprofen Paul says Summer can't take that in her condition and Billy twigs that Summer is up the duff
1: Right, yeah, ibuprofen that's, yeah, they'd rather you take Tylenol acetaminophen, I don't know what it's called over there But still
0: Paracetamol probably It is Esther and Mike quickly leave As Paul and Billy talk about her pregnancy as though she's not there When Aaron says that he's standing by her Billy points out that she should be at university At which point the entire pub turns round and tells him to shut the fuck up
1: Yes Shut the fuck up Billy
0: Summer leaves for some fresh air But she's quickly tracked down by this Esther character She's there to offer a woman's perspective on anything and thinks that having a baby doesn't necessarily hold her back. She admits that she and Mike have been speaking to Billy about the problems they've had in conceiving. (coughs) And then Mike shows up, and the creepy pair of shitbags double-team Summer offering to take Summer's baby off her hands and offering to pay her. And I'm like, she's been pregnant for, like, a day.
1: Right. Yeah, offering to pay for, like, the medical bills and stuff. But doing it in the most creepy way possible and he kind of implies that he's already run the idea past Billy first because Billy needs to give his blessing for Summer to give away her bebe what is
0: someone is a where did
1: these people come from first of all because they're very they're very children of the corn aren't they Are, they they're very they're very creepy and dead-eyed and like the worst example of Christianity that's ever existed anywhere, they're just creepy, creepy people who say things uh, in think, a weird way. I think
0: Carrie's mum was washed.
1: Okay, fine. Right, they haven't they haven't mentioned her dirty pillows yet. I will they, give you that. They
0: haven't not yet. No, not yet.
1: Wait until she starts to get a little heavier.
0: Yeah, Someone is appalled, but Mike and Esther insist that it's not really paying her; it's more exchanging money for goods and services.
1: Well, and it's paying for the care, and it's like a surrogacy. And a surrogacy, you get paid. You get you get paid for being a surrogate.
0: Hmm. And her holiday. They mentioned paying for a holiday if she wants to go on holiday. And rem- and remember, she's found out that she was pregnant twenty four hours morning, ago.
1: Less than twenty four hours. That morning? That oh, was a
0: previous morning. There's a, a day's passed. Has a day passed? Yeah, because the previous day was the, the jumble sale. This is the oh, okay. day after. All
1: right, this is the day after. Why are, why are these people even here? The jumble sale is over. They were supposed to be organising this jumble sale.
0: They insist on good, <laughs> good people that offer to buy people's babies and reckon that God has put the three of them together. Fucking what? Says Summer, lightheartedly. And then there's roles. Summer explains to Aaron about the cash offer for their unborn baby summer felt sorry for esther and asks his opinion on what to do meanwhile back at the flat the two other dads tell todd about summer's pregnancy and he assumes that she's getting rid of it which offends paul who calls todd (laughs) a snob billy argues that them arguing doesn't help them figure out what to do and paul points out that it's not their decision it's summer's decision thank you paul but he's in the minority on that opinion and he leaves
1: in fairness, Paul calls Todd a snob because Todd says, well, of course she's gonna get rid of it because the only pregnant the only teenage mums are the ones on the estates that are too poor to be able to afford an abortion. Yes. Sort of thing. Todd is a snob. Yes. And he's also right wing.
0: Back, back in not as right wing as Chesney though. Back, <laughs> Close. Back in the roles, Aaron and Summer discuss how difficult the decision is. Aaron makes a note of pros and cons. And Summer is uncharacteristically pessimistic about the situation and can't believe the mess that she's made of her life and the lives of her three non-biological dads. (sighs) She reckons Esther and Mike could give the baby a better life than they could, but Arne isn't so sure that that's the case. Summer, though, reckons it's too soon for them, so that rules one of their options out. Although she's not sure how well she'd deal with pregnancy with her diabetes and body issues. Right,
1: thank you. Finally, somebody... Somebody addresses the elephant in the room somebody has seen just Tim's Bobby. somebody has seen steel magnolias and knows how dangerous it can be for diabetic women to give
0: birth. The pregnancy could be bad for the baby. It sounds like she's made up her mind here. Meanwhile the two dads continue to argue, Billy thinking that being stupid enough to get knocked up at her age doesn't make someone intelligent but maybe keeping the baby could work with their support Plus, is it right to abort a baby because Summer might think that she's fat? And of course, this is the moment that Summer comes in. And she's furious, and none of her dads know what she's gone through, and they shouldn't try to second-guess her.
1: That was really appalling of Billy, because it kind of seemed to imply that is it right to abort a baby if it's going to kill Summer?
0: Yeah. She and Aaron have made up their minds. They're getting that abortion. And that's how we end this week's episode.
1: Fuck this show right up the fucking ass.
0: You did say that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God for the moment Nina and Asha are in a same-sex relationship. Thank God Hope and Ruby are still
0: oh, way too young. under the age way too of young.
1: 12. Or at the age of 12.
0: Too well, young. Anyway.
1: Technically not too young. But still...
0: Sarah was 13.
1: What the hell, Coronation Street? Haven't we put this unsympathetic character that nobody cares about through enough, mm-hmm. and then we're just going to throw another teenage pregnancy onto the show? Really? At least, at least back when it happened to Sarah, the show had the decency of only having one teenage pregnancy.
0: Yeah, and it was dealt with... Uh, kind of like a taboo subject.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz Toya never got up the duff as a teenager, did she? No, or she, Liam?
0: no she was raped though.
1: They have already they've already given some her sexual assault story with the upskirting. So mm. they had to throw something else at her. Why why another teenage pregnancy story? Why? Is is this Is this the only thing this show knows how to do
0: with women? It's not just Coronation Street. Emmerdale's having a massive problem with, with teenage pregnancies, and, and every female character has to get pregnant at some point. It's not that long ago that Amy was pregnant.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. We just had a teenage pregnancy where she had to make the hard decision to have an abortion. And she made, and they wrote a very self aware line for her about pregnancies on the street you'd think they know they think they know that we don't want this shit anymore it's not that just, it's that it's the wrong century it's for not, this
0: it's not just teenage girls getting pregnant if there's a teenage girl in a soap opera she that there's, there's let's call it Platt's law says that she has to get pregnant right it's not just that it's that somebody has to offer to buy it Right. Because in Amy's, it was Tracy and Steve who were going to raise made an offer to raise Amy's baby. Right, but that's not, not
1: creepy. That's not that's that's her parents. That's not these creepy psycho cultish Christian people who have been who, who have been in the show for three days. Because remember we had the one scene where they were introduced last week. Mm-hmm. And then we had the clothing swap. And then we had this. I was worried before this week when I heard that this might be happening. I was worried that Paul, Todd, and Billy were going to get together. And they, they were going to raise this oh, baby in I, a three men and a baby situation.
0: I don't think we can rule that out yet.
1: And I'm just I'm trying to decide which one... Is Steve Gutenberg? That's Billy. Which one is Ted Danson? It's Todd. And which one is the other one? Who played the other one? It was Gutenberg. It was Danson. It's Selleck.
0: Paul, Paul is, is Tom Selleck? Paul isn't Tom Selleck.
1: Paul is Ted Danson? No, Paul is Steve Gutenberg. Let's be honest here. Right. Because Steve Gutenberg is the only one
0: anyway, that I can
1: picture anyway. in a unicorn onesie. But it's just. It's like every woman on the street has to go through the assault storyline and then the unplanned pregnancy storyline.
0: But again, it's a story older than time itself. On day zero, you think you're a little bit sickly, so you go and you buy yourself a pregnancy test.
1: And we didn't even get to see that.
0: On day one, you find that you're pregnant. On day two, cultish Christian people offer to buy your baby. I mean, this happens daily doesn't it it's like it's it's not even that this 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 baby may not even be a baby this this baby it's her first presumably her first pregnancy right the chances of her carrying this full term I, i guess there are there are risks right she's probably unlikely maybe to
1: she's diabetic right you know she's she's young, so who's,
0: so why would you be talking about buying something like this on on day one?
1: right, yeah, she's this this baby is it, this this is not a baby. this no. is not a baby, and everybody keeps even even summer, who is on having an abortion is referring to it as the baby
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, it's just and the fact that they start this out. With this whole wink wink nudge nudge comedy story and who done it bullshit. Mm. You know, which would be funny and cute if it was indeed Daisy right. or Carla. You right. know, adults who can take care of a baby and be responsible with a baby and is not a teenager who yeah. has an on-again, off-again relationship with their other diabetic.
0: partner (laughs) that was that was another great part that was just like completely skipped over when Summer and Aaron are are talking about the viability of them being good parents and sort of learning from their own parents and who are shit and all that sort of stuff where they think that okay maybe we would be great parents yeah maybe you would be but maybe you would be if you could go a week without breaking up right with each other
1: right yeah (laughs) it's Neither one of them are mature enough for any of this. Well,
0: none of this conversation at this at this point in time makes makes any sense, and, and it uh, just means just feels like again we're just why are we rushing headlong into this? We've been doing it with the homeless shoe story, and, and why are it-
1: we just shitting on Summer more? I mean, how ma- how many how many people have to tweet about the fact that they find this whole thing? insufferable they're just making her more insufferable they're mm-hmm. doing the character and the actor no favors no at all and as den pointed out on twitter today frustration that we finally we finally remember that billy is a vicar and that he's a christian and that's going to play into a storyline and the storyline is going to be him not being comfortable with his daughter having an abortion, mm. when maybe, I don't know, he should have been a better parent and gotten her some sex education to begin with. Because who the hell, in this day and age, in the year of our Lord 2022, Oof,
0: that makes you sound like
1: is, you and the is, Esther and is, Mike side here, is going about having sex without protection? Mm. Haven't we educated the children enough? Back in the day when it was still kind of taboo to have a teenage pregnancy, you could kind of understand it because it was taboo because we didn't talk to our kids about sex because sex education in schools were shit. It's still kind of shit, but that's neither here nor there. Now it doesn't make sense. It's rubbish. It's lazy. It's sloppy. And it just sounds like something from 20 years ago just being recycled for the sake of it because we don't know what else to do with women except knock them up or have them brutalized in some way or have them be the fulcrum for a man to learn something about himself
0: well we threw everything at abby we then threw everything at nina and we're continuing to throw everything at someone and in- at
1: least nina didn't have a baby at least Nina didn't get pregnant because Seb wasn't alive enough in that relationship. <laughs> and uh, and I
0: think we're led to believe that they, they did the deed at the rape hotel when it seemed that they were more interested in talking about getting a drink at the bar. No, and then they
1: had it at Billy's. Remember, they went into her room.
0: That, that was last time. week.
1: No, not that time. Not the time they were high, obviously. I don't know. The, the the whole thing is just ridiculous and stupid from beginning to end and I
0: just Yeah, I, I hate Fuck this. the
1: show. I, we hate this. I hate
0: this. I, I, I mean, We hate
1: I, this more than homeless stew's murder.
0: I haven't liked lots of bits about the summer storyline because they keep on forgetting bits and and again it's just it's just an absolute pale on but at at this point she does not need this storyline no the show does not need this storyline no it is not intriguing it's not going to make me watch on Monday (coughs) it is not something that we're going to talk about no positively no oh I wonder what's going to happen it's just like let's get this shit finished and move on to something else I would I'm now starting to wish that she'd gone to Oxford
1: yeah I would rather have more heavy-headed speeches (laughs) About refugees between two characters who have never talked to one another before now.
0: Two very right-wing characters.
1: Then then another teenage pregnancy that's yeah. going to end in an abortion just because it's a teenager.
0: Well, I- I'm now worried that because we're talking about an abortion so early on that that's not what's going to happen. Right, that Billy's going to talk her out of it. Because why are we introducing these weird Christian people? Creepy. Creepy these- people. They're, they're either going to talk her out of it or Billy's going to talk her because
1: out of it. Because if social workers are evil and cops are stupid, Christians are creepy.
0: Yep. Well, those two certainly are. Right. That and was... they're like
1: the only Christians we've seen in the show. Because well, the I, show pr- I keeps... presume
0: Billy's a little bit Christian.
1: Because the show keeps forgetting that Billy's a vicar.
0: <laughs> that was the week that was Coronation Street. Oh, that was, that was heavy going this week.
1: It was terrible. <coughs> it makes me cough. It was what? so terrible.
0: Oh, I, I don't think anyone's noticed.
1: Mm.
0: What was your moment of the week, Audrey and Sam? Oh, I thought it was like Harvey and Leanne.
1: I found it very creepy and disturbing, and uncomfortable.
0: You didn't think that Leanne's speech to Harvey was was worthy of our at least consideration for a moment of the week?
1: No, because it was dehumanizing, and he was doing a bad a bad, a bad enough job himself of dehumanizing himself.
0: Sh- she was dehumanizing.
1: Yes. Like, you're not worth blah, blah, blah. And you did this to this boy. And then he makes her look stupid by talking about the letters. Yeah. I don't know. That
0: make me chuckle. Sam and you then? Can you
1: think of anything else?
0: It wasn't a great week. It really wasn't
1: a great week. It's been a while since we've given it to Sam. And we love Sam. And when did we ever give it... I think the last time we gave it to Audrey was when Audrey was drunk and calling Sam Ben.
0: No, we gave it to Audrey when oh, she no, was... Oh, no, she got
1: <laughs> Right, her, her suicide storyline, which we've forgotten about now. She's all better. She's not going to kill herself now.
0: Fine, that's our... Moment of the, of the week. week. And our boring moment Refugees. What's the... Week was the- strangest refugee conversation. Two by strange
1: two. conversations about refugees just stuck in the middle for no reason at all.
0: We're, time to fill in. We're not
1: even talking. The, the people involved in the refugee story aren't even involved in either one of these conversations. We have no Maria. We have no Max. We have no David.
0: And no Daniel? Darren. Yeah. Darian.
1: Right, yeah. No Darian. And we have Jacob explaining to Kirk the differences between a refugee And an asylum seeker? And political refugees? And social refugees? What? For a moment of the week. Oh, God. This is... Things like that make people (laughs) right-wing.
0: Who do you think is the most right-wing character on Coronation Street?
1: And why is it Todd?
0: Right in to tell us. That's Chesney we're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey podcast on twitter facebook and instagram you can shout me and helena coffee by heading to ko-fi.com that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for please. links to our merch store and youtube channel and if you're so inclined please leave a rating and a review on itunes or your podcast provider of choice thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more
1: talk of the street the talk of the street bye cheerio